When we think about the word consequence, we often think of a negative connotation and forget that there are positive and negative consequences to all behaviors. Dr. Dan Siegel, writer of the book, The Whole Brain Child said, too often we forget that discipline really means to teach, not to punish. A disciple is a student, not a recipient of behavioral consequences. I'm Danielle, she's Raleigh. This is Unstuck, the special education podcast. Hey, hey. How's it going? It is going great. Yeah. Recovering from the blizzard of 2022, if you're anywhere in the eastern seaboard. Yeah, I got 30 inches. Whoa. That's a lot. It's a, it's it's quite a lot of, of snow. It's quite a bit of snow. It's a mess. It's pretty that great. is a mess. Uh, some cars were covered in mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. parking lot. It's pretty crazy. Not enjoyable for some. No, not at all. <laughs> but for others. Uh, so the first thing I wanted to do on this podcast today mm-hmm. is just to share... Um, a little thank you to everyone who has been listening to us. Absolutely. Very much appreciated. At this point, we have, I think, over uh, almost close to 500 streams. Wow. Uh, between all of our podcasting outlets mm-hmm. and four continents covered. Whoa. I'd, I'd like to give a personal shout out to Belgium. Belgium was the first. Belgium is out there listening and I cannot be happier. And I would love a shipment of waffles if you get around to it. <laughs> uh, 25 states. Wow. We've hit both, And you know what? Here's something coasts. I know. There's 50, yep. so that's half. We're half. Well, not there. including Puerto Rico. That's true. So we'll, we'll expand a little. Yeah. Yeah. We, we uh, thank you to the listener from Florida who helped us get the southernmost part of the United States Ooh. and our listeners from California who just recently tuned in. So thank the you, The left everyone. coast. Thank you so much. I am. I also wanted to say to you that mm. I'm glad that we are covering the topic discipline today. Mm, absolutely. Um, it, it actually uh, brought up something that occurred uh, right after COVID started or right around COVID about a story where we had this student who um, was a pretty literal student, but came off or presented as your typical kid and had some clear challenges mm-hmm. behaviorally uh, and people would consider him to be uh, defiant yeah. or um, frustrating in the classroom he would you know talk up to his peers really looking for the attention or how to make friends right maybe maybe some, some might social say. competency issues there. yeah so yeah. he had this one peer in the classroom and it's when we had the you had to sit certain feet apart from each other and so the teacher reminded him as he was pushing his desk closer to a peer that he considered a friend to him and the teacher said you have to be x amount of feet apart and he asked for a ruler mm, and she that. immediately had a really big issue about it uh went to the special ed teacher went to you know above and beyond we ended up having a team meeting about this student and my first question was why didn't we just give him a ruler yeah <laughs> yeah i mean yeah seems that's... like the simplest answer to me right um, well and that, that's a good example of you know, what's the trajectory of the problem? What if you want to call it a problem? If you view it from the lens that is defiance and this is willful opposition to your rule or your direction, how many steps down the line does that take to process that incident as that? Versus here's the ruler. Let me know when you figured it out and we'll see how it looks. Hey, that's a math lesson too, right? I mean, there's I think a lot of the way that we view defiance and discipline comes from our own perception of what that actually is. And, you know, especially coming from um, a setting that where I do, where, you know, the behaviors are pretty big and complicated. I think we do so much to try to set up 
situations for the most success because we expect behaviors to happen more often. I think that, you know, we've talked about this in prior podcasts where the state of education in general is that kids are definitely pushing back more on rules, on limits, on expectations, and kind of looking for ways to get around those um, expectations that they need to do as a student. How are we setting up the environment, the classroom, the situation to be the most successful so that we alleviate some of those gray areas, so to speak, but also that we're flexible and thinking, well, what was this kid's intentions? And if I know this student, I probably could recognize that this is a literal thinker who is just looking at this from a different perspective. It's not him trying to mock my direction, for example. I also think, yeah, I mean, assuming positive intent, you know, we talk about doing that with adults, but I think we should do that with students too, or assuming that we don't know what we don't know. So, you know, assuming this student isn't just saying, you know what, I'm just going to tick my teacher off today by saying, you know, let give me a ruler so I can be three right, feet apart. Right. By the way, all the teacher had to say was like each floor tile is one foot apart because mm-hmm. most floor tiles in schools are fun fact are, are yeah. about a, a square foot. Right. Actually. Right. Right. <laughs> but I mean, just the point that there's another way around that, and I think when you look at this from a behavioral, you know, again, this I'm willfully opposing your limit that takes you down a different path. And I think that, you know, I don't know what the outcome was in this situation, but it just seems like that's actually exerting more energy. So I've been saying it's a very cliche thing, but I've been saying a lot lately to some of my colleagues, let's work smarter, not harder. And I think that's an example of almost like working harder. You're just making things harder for yourself, for example, and not to like, you know, pile on the situation, but I just, it's a good example, I think of, you know, how could you view this from different perspectives? Oh, I totally agree. And I I don't actually remember what the consequences end up being. I remember we had to have a meeting mm-hmm. about all of the little things this student was doing in class, yeah. which all resulted in the fact that it was his disability and right. people weren't accepting of that disability because it was distracting, disruptive. You know, all of the things we talked about in the last episode about our two episodes ago in executive functioning where it's like, you're, per, you're procrastinators, you're, they're usually lazy when it could be, they just don't know how to initiate tasks. You know, right. so a lot, of these, a lot of these things that were coming up for this student were really as a result of, of his disability. Um, and to really, to really think about that and maybe ask more questions versus disciplining that student is important. Yeah. Absolutely. Something that we do is debriefing, you know, debriefing an incident, but that, you know, that we can talk about that in a little bit. Um, You know, I think that I was actually saying to you before we we started recording that a lot of the things we talked about with our executive functioning podcast have some um, connective line to what we can talk about with discipline, because I think the similar mindset of how are you structuring a classroom? How are you previewing? What are your rules? What are your expectations? How do you process if needing incentives, depending on the program, you're, you know, what are your incentives and essentially are you creating the environment that allows for, you know, a little more control and being very specific initially with kids when they first start school in September, here are the rules, here's what we do. You review those, you preview those, you talk about those. You're less maybe flexible in a sense because you really want them to internalize that and then you start to become more flexible. I think, you know, I tell my students all the time, like adults actually want to say yes. We want to agree with you, say yes to you, give you the things that you need. 
what's hard about it is we can't always do that. And I think when you can create a situation that you've established what the rules and expectations are initially, you follow through, you show that consistency, kids see that you're going to do that. Then you start to find ways to be more flexible, to negotiate compromise. I think teaching kids how to compromise is wonderful. Meeting in the middle, it doesn't mean everybody, you know, this isn't like an episode of The Office, the win, 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 Mm -hmm. the lose, win, the lose, lose. I find compromise is actually a great solution often, but showing the, the child that you have some agency over this, we can talk about the situation, we can hear your point of view, but you may not negotiate as much early on because a lot of those rules are just, we need to establish what this is. And depending on the classroom and the type of students and the, you know, is this special ed, is this gen, you know, what, what's the type of, of brain you're, you're working with and what kind of, you know, some of my wonderful friends on the autism spectrum need that rote, you know, that consistency, that, that sameness all the time, every day, reminding what those expectations are, maybe different settings don't need as much of that. Well, and I would argue that our kids with trauma are the same, right? True. So, yeah. you know, they need that consistency, consistency, yeah. that predictability. They need to know that you're going to keep them safe. And, and for trauma, and we'll talk about this in another episode, trauma isn't a, a, a student or a kid who was in a disruptive home with abuse that they were witnessing. It can be something as simple as bullying as multiple failing grades. Not that bullying is simple, but you know. No, I know. But uh, yes, thank you. (laughs) No, I agree. And I think we have to think about trauma as a moment in time or moments in time. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's it's longer standing and that's where PTSD comes in. But a lot of, you know, we've all been traumatized in various ways and it's how, you know, we hold up and our resiliency and our strategies are helpful. But we have to assume that all of these kids have had some dose of trauma in their lives by the time they get to us mm-hmm. uh, again it doesn't mean that their home life is is crappy it could mean anything well and i would also argue that um if a student is sort of given more free reign in their environment to be the one in charge or to show like this behavior whatever that behavior is i say no to something enough times i don't have to do it i put up a big enough fight about something enough times i don't have to do what i don't want to do i complain enough times i get what i want i get my way there are sort of those norms for a student that their value system, what they're used to, what they're exposed to, what their family does, does come into play. So I think there's various factors. And so the somewhat sort of the easiest way to go about it is to just have consistency. And that's such an easy thing to say, but I can tell you from vast experience that it doesn't always work. So it takes practice and it takes effort to initially establish that. So it's initially establishing a schedule for every day's events, um, visuals for what's happening that day. What is, what are the different events going to look like? Is there a change in the schedule? Understanding where kids get their time to do their thing. Some, you know, classrooms needing more based on the behaviors, maybe needing more incentive, maybe what we call cash-ins or free choice opportunities that they know they have to work for X amount of time and do a certain, meet a certain standard, then they get to have their time. And that sort of give and take of, I produce something, I do something you're expecting me as the adult to do, I then get to do what I wanna do. And keeping that very consistent and again, not kind of every day changing the rules and saying, well, today it's okay if you swear three times, yesterday it wasn't okay. You know, no, that's, and it feels sometimes I think as the adult, like we're being really strict in the beginning if we set it up the right way. But what we can learn from that is that that you can then 
take the get the pedal off the nope the foot off the pedal yeah the foot off the pedal not the pedal off the foot the foot off the pedal a little bit and show that you know we also can be flexible because we're always the role model and the teacher they're looking up to us we show that you know not everything has to be so strict and rigid not everything is you get whatever you want no matter what you do there's got to be a way that we teach that we start with that more strict model maybe and we can start to become a little more flexible well, and to go back to what you said about saying, yeah, people like to say yes, or yeah. teachers like to yep. say yes as much as they can. I think about collaborative problem solving. Oh, yeah. So, you know, Dr. Ross Green, mm-hmm. Dr. Stuart Avalon, I want to make sure they give yep. them Shout their, their props. They're due. Um, but collaborative problem solving is a wonderful way to give students what they want at times, to negotiate, or to... Uh, set it up where it's non-negotiable so Mm -hmm. you know there's a plan a where the teacher is saying this is a non-negotiable for me safety is the most important thing there's your there's your b plan b which is let's negotiate let's talk about this what do you expect to get out of this and sort of meet in the middle and then there's a plan c where it's really just not worth the battle going back to my first example the ruler Mm -hmm. would be a plan c right it's just it's just like great here it's five seconds and it saves from um it's assuming positive intent on that student and it's also showing that you trust them enough that they're asking that question legitimately well i also you know and not to take away from the fact that there are students who are going to do things that are more disruptive and unsafe that we're not necessarily um doing as much compromise in that situation and i think it's understanding individual cases which is why you know we talked about this way in the beginning about the team approach and having multiple people especially if it's a kid that's been flagged or is yet to be flagged but soon to be that's struggling more so if we're seeing these huge behaviors and we're seeing them often or we're seeing disruptive behavior um we're seeing it enough that it's disruptive to the learning environment for 20 some odd other kids or whatever the setting what is our approach and do we think that we can um, create an individual behavior plan for that child to support the positive and kind of negate some of the outbursts? Or are we looking at processing? You know, some we, we do a lot of that for kids that do have bigger behaviors and really are looking at behavior modification or we're looking at just kind of moving forward, becoming a student, you know, looking like a student. What does that look like? How are we processing events? And the consistency with whatever the behavior approach is needs to be there. That is paramount to whatever you're doing. If it's an individual plan, if it's an individual incentive, you know, the incentive plan doesn't work if we say every, you know, block that you have shown that you can raise your hand and not swear, like you're getting a check and those three checks are going to go to whatever. If we're not following up on that, then what's the point of the plan? So it's, it's consistency, whether it's making sure that we're incentivizing, making sure we're processing, we're holding accountable. And we tend to lose that when we're fighting the fires, which I feel that we're doing a lot right now. And across the board, I think we talk about the staffing shortages. It's not a small thing. And we talk about people sort of being pulled thin where, you know, more one person's doing the job of multiple people or at least a person and a partial. And how do we continue to be that consistent? And that becomes the responsibility of the team to share what those plans are for individual kids. So you have the plan that's for the group. You have the plan that's for everybody, but then you may have to have individual ones for other people. And it's, I think it's perfectly fine in a gen ed setting to have a a behavior plan for everybody, obviously. And most of the kids will probably follow that, but maybe you do work as a group towards an incentive that encourages kids to support each other, to be positive with each other, to say, hey, we're all trying to earn this amount of this thing to get this big prize at the end. But then you may have to individually incentivize kids that are struggling more. 
I totally, well, I think back, it's funny, I had this student recently and it made me think of uh, our pastime when mm-hmm. we had this student who was struggling and this student, um, amongst other things, was struggling in the classroom, uh, cr- creating a situation, she's in high school, creating a situation where um, they had to evacuate the classroom because she would, you know, throw something, not at someone, but throw something. Um, I know that she... Um, kicked her head a teacher at a time and she had an incident uh in the cafeteria one day where the chicken patty one day the chicken patty was too spicy so mm-hmm. she had a really big issue of it yep. and it created a huge um chaotic moment in the cafeteria and then three days later she was upset that there was no chicken patty so to go back to your <laughs> to your pre and Love for those me brains. for Love me them. i um being someone who has experience working with those type of kids, my first thought was like, did we preview with her? Right. Is there a calendar? Does she have a schedule of what's for lunch? Does she have previewing? And then I went back to a student that you and I had together and that kid could not be in class ever. So we made a plan and it was controversial at the time, but still to this day, something I remember where the student couldn't maintain any attention and became aggressive. 20 or so minutes into every class. Yep. Um, and I think he was in fifth grade at the time, maybe. Um, and so we made a plan where he would just participate in the first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And and then he could right. do his art or something yep. he was interested in. Build up the success. Yeah. Yeah. And so we would start with 10 minutes. He would have a schedule that looked like that. And he increased it over time. His behavior and right. engagement increased over time because he didn't feel the pressure. And so I thought about that student and I said aside from the preview of the calendar and all that stuff, mm-hmm. in order for her to feel successful in class, what if we limit the amount of time she's there right. and have an alternative space? She loves um, My Little Pony, so let's have her spend 15 minutes in class and then she can go watch a My Little Pony video and yep. then it'll naturally increase from there when she feels safe and comfortable. Well, and I think the idea that, you know, I think it's hard, and I can understand this. I mean, again, doing this for as long as I have, I think sometimes I have to take a different perspective that if I'm seeing a kid like this for the first time and someone says to me, well, hey, you know, here's the answer. I got it. I got it. 40-minute class, they only have to do 15 minutes of work. What do you think? And as a teacher, maybe that's been in a a school setting for 20 years, I'm saying to myself, wait a minute. (laughs) How does that? So that's great. Give her what she wants rather than looking at the, the idea that we're building that confidence because a lot of times this is not coming from, you know, not every student here is a sociopath who just doesn't want to do what you want to do because they have some kind of, you know, funky brain chemistry that's that wacky. They want to be successful. And the idea that you can build that success to where kids, like you're saying, start to increase that time on their own because they feel good about themselves. I have a student, um, you know, I've worked with many, but there's, you know, where you start to see that confidence. I say this a lot in my meetings with parents. I say, once that confidence builds, it is amazing what you're gonna see from kids because they start to feel good about themselves and they wanna show that to us. I even, you know, use yourself as a child, wanting to please the adults around you, wanting people to be proud of you. Why would that be any different for any kid now? They want you to feel good about them and they don't feel good about their skills. And I think that's a lot of students right now. And we've talked about this throughout um, our episodes of students feeling like they're not good at school. This is not my place where I'm happy, I'm successful, I'm smart, I'm capable. This makes me anxious, worried, I'm sad, I'm depressed. It's not where I wanna be. When you show them through a lot of different ways and a lot of different, it takes a lot of effort sometimes, that they can be successful, it's amazing the transformation that you don't even have to do anything differently. Like they're the ones guiding that. And that's the most, 
I think, fantastic way to watch it happen is that the kids are saying to you, I feel good about this. Yeah, and I think one simple thing is that I'm so glad to have you here. Something as simple as that as a student walks into a classroom will help build your rapport with them oh, and yeah. your relationship. Well, they know. Kids know when it's genuine. And, and I think, you know, especially kids that have gone through a lot of things and maybe have more of a trauma history are very intuitive and hyper vigilant to what's happening around them. They know when somebody is really really likes them and really is finding common ground with them. And you're right. It's so simple. It's just like, I'm happy you're here today. I, you're really good at this or that and being very specific about things that you appreciate about them can help. I mean, you don't know what you may, um, what's it called? Like when a bomb goes off and you detonate, well, you may detonate before the bomb goes off because you've, you've preemptively said something positive. Maybe that turned their day around. You have no idea. They came in, they were grumpy and you said, Hey, I'm so glad to see you today. We're doing this art project and I know you're going to do great at it because you're really good at, you know, folding paper and making these type of activities. I'm so excited for that. And maybe you just disarmed them and you have no idea you did. And for so many of our kids, that's all you need. Mm -hmm. You don't need these big plans. You don't right. need all of these elaborate. Uh, you don't need the BCBA to help with something. You don't as need to buy them a Nintendo Switch. Right. You don't need to have a huge pop prize box. They don't need a pony. <laughs> nope. None of us need a pony. I can't tell you how many times I say to people, I could give that kid a pony and it wouldn't change anything that's going to happen right. right now. Well, I mean, I think about the... Um, and just swing it over to you a little bit the student that we had with the say yes plan yeah so well we were just we've been talking sometimes about like we you know we're we certainly do have a, a long history of working with um kids with behavior problems and with you know complicated brains and neurodivergence and whatnot but you know we're certainly not perfect and something that we've done more than once is sort of, this kid is really struggling to be with the group. They're struggling with any limit, any direction, any expectation. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Oh, you know what we'll do? We're gonna say yes, whatever they wanna do. If they can give us 30 seconds of something that they're doing positively for us, we're gonna let them do whatever they want. Oh, they wanna get up in the middle of the class and they wanna build a tower out of Legos, we're saying yes to it. They want to run outside and play, we're saying yes to it. They want to watch 17 videos, we're saying yes to it. And what we find is sometimes that absolutely backfires. I feel that the say yes plan probably works very rarely because kids are looking to us to help them structure time, feel safe, feel like there are boundaries. I say this so often that they're craving those boundaries and understanding where the line is with people. They want to know that there is, even if they rebel against it, they wanna know where that line is and that you, you've got this, the adults have this under control and are gonna help keep me safe. They're gonna keep me from you know unexpected things happening as much as they can, they're gonna help keep me in line. They do want that underneath it all. It may not feel like that, um, but that is something I've noticed anyway. And also just one other piece of that is when we talk about behavior plans, again, if that's where you're at with a student, it's being consistent. I can't say that word enough. I think it's being, trying something for a while and giving it a try. I can't say how often I've heard like, well, that's not gonna work. That never works or this can't work for this kid. Try something and you know what it's called, right? When behavior ramps up. Yeah, I think it's called an extinction burst. Extinction burst. It's when you it's, it's very when fancy. you try something for a few weeks and then it gets worse before it gets better. Right. And a lot of teachers that I've worked with have said 
they did this today. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And I, and I know a lot of teachers that I've worked with in the past or as colleagues. Um, and I have myself done it where it'll be a really rough week and all of a sudden the student acts out and their plan doesn't work. And then like, forget it. We can't do this. Or, you know, we got to try something else. And then you're three or four plans deep and you go back to the first plan and yeah. guess what? Now it's working. Right. You know, you have to keep at it well, for a few weeks. And it's what what is progress. I think there's another part of that. Like what, you know, if, if they're aggressive or their outbursts are a certain number every week and you try a new plan and at first it spikes that extinction burst, but then you're noticing, hey, they're still having outbursts, but it's less. Then it's successful so far. And it's, you know talking about what is the what are what's our standard what are we comparing this to and progress can look different no matter what kid you're talking about progress is what you decide to to compare it to if you're saying well this is what's happening they're blowing up they're leaving the room and they've done that 10 times today and then in a week they're only doing it five times that doesn't mean it's not working it means it is actually working we're seeing success doesn't mean that this is going to work long term and you have to continue to tweak things and modify them but the idea that you give up right away is really you know that's a defeated kind of mindset because you don't know if it's going to work till you try it and it certainly doesn't work if you're not consistent and i think that's a struggle right now with again staffing shortages and people covering multiple roles it's hard to know every kid's plan all the time and what everybody's doing and if a different teacher's teaching a classroom and they don't know this kid's deal and that kid's deal and they're just there to cover and get through the day it's obviously not going to be successful and that's something you know sometimes it's not within our control and what can we control and how much can we set it up for success when i go back to my high school student and thinking about consistency and when we talked about um minimizing her time on learning for a short period of time and so i think the other piece just is to side note, um, is that we're only talking about these plans for a short period of time. The right. goal is always to build them back to what other students are doing. Yes. Right. And I think it's hard for people who have their own lane mm-hmm. in certain mm-hmm. aspects. You know, when you're a math teacher, you're thinking about kids learning math concepts and passing MCAS. You know, like there are priorities. Hashtag Greg Tang math. <laughs> He's great. Yeah. Um, That's why I threw it in there. So I think when you're a teacher, your your priorities feel different. But when you have a student, I just remember with a student, I was like, let's try to shorten her time on learning. Are people comfortable with that? And they're like, well, she's then she's going to miss important yeah. academic content. And how is she going to pass standardized testing? Right. Like she's going to miss all of this. And I was like, well, isn't she missing it anyway? Right, right. She's missing right. it. You're actually... Everyone's missing it because yep, yep. because she's missing that it. Right? Di- right, and that outburst pulls everyone off task. So like, let's, let's reframe this. So for three weeks, she's in class for 20 minutes. Sure, she misses class that she's already missing. But on week four, when she's there for 30 minutes, and on week six, when she's there for 50 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, it's a different story. So instead of wasting four months of, I don't know, let's evacuate our class again. Let's How about we just try this? How about right. we just figure it out? Look, it can't hurt to try. I know. So one of the things I've been doing, too, and it's... A lot of what we talked about today is since we started this podcast, we've, you know, obviously been on all the socials, Unstuck Podcast One, little uh, plug for that. Mm -hmm. But I've started following a lot of teachers on Instagram and they're all struggling. You know, we're all struggling with the same thing right now, you know, aside, you know, with COVID all involved. But it's COVID. It's these kids who haven't been in school for two years. It's these figuring out behavior plans. It's staff shortages, which is major, major, major across 
across the country. Um, and so I see all of these short staffs and these teachers feeling underappreciated. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. so, you know, I think, um, especially special educators and mm-hmm. I see it, I see it from my lens, from where I'm currently at. I've saw it in the past. I think one of the things that I've done, you know, and you too, as administrators is really, um, figuring out what people truly need, not just, Hey, here's a pat on the back here yeah. and there, you know, or here's some extra money. It's not always about that, but anyway, mm-hmm. so I've been following all these all these teachers, all these educators, all these counselors, school psychs, people in the in the in our world, and I came across something today, and I was like, "Oh, it's so crazy that we're covering discipline today," because um, I fell in love with this little Instagram post uh, from the dot unteachables. So uh, they're a wonderful follow. Uh, I catch something from them pretty frequently, but this one caught me today just because of what we're covering. So they posted this um, picture of it's called Behavior Bite. The work you do with the most challenging students can't even begin until they believe you actually like them. Not, quote, pretending to like, like, they aren't stupid. They see through it. Mm-hmm. Actually, I can see the good in you and the potential in you, like. And I thought that was such a cool... Yeah, that's um, it's, it's basically, you know, our motto and our teaching, and I think what we're trying to to advertise and promote here with our mm-hmm. podcast. So mm-hmm. I was just like, that's a great way to end our podcast. That today. is a great way to end it. Can you a, give a that, can you give that person's uh, info yes. again, just one more time? The dot on Teachables. Yeah, that's great. Love that. All right. So I think that'll wrap it up for today, but we, of course, need to have our, uh, our random topic of oh the gosh. day, right? Oh okay. Gosh. Ready. So this one, again, you can pass on it, but which do you prefer, popular music or relatively unknown music? I'm going to go with a mix of both. Okay. That's fair. Mostly popular, but a little bit of a mix. See, I'm going to say popular and I'm going to, you know, talk about being a kid from the 80s and early 90s who would wait for the song to come on the radio on the countdown on Saturdays and hit play record on the old cassette tape deck and make sure I caught that song, that hit song that was coming out fifth on the list. And of course, you always timed it wrong, so you got the person speaking first and introducing the song, but then you got the song. And that way you didn't have to go buy the whole cassette tape to get the song you wanted. Definitely um, popular music, but you know, occasionally the relatively unknown as well. I've gone to a few festivals and yeah. I've found unknown people, but no, I used to do the same thing, cassette, record, mm-hmm, play mm-hmm. at the same time. And then what I would do after is I would keep replaying that and write down lyrics. In fact, mm-hmm. most recently, my parents dropped off a lot of old stuff of mine, baseball cards, and I had about 10 journals of songs that I had written. Oh, good. And I would just sit in my room and I'd be like, oh. See, now you can just, <laughs> Spotify just tells you yeah. what the lyrics are. It's no exactly. fun anymore. Yeah, you can't, you you can't, can't do you it can't, the hard way. Yeah, just make up your own. <laughs> well, anyway. Well, we appreciate all of you listening again. We appreciate um, getting the word around. It seems like we're getting more and more people listening every episode. If there are any episodes or things that you want to hear, questions uh, questions you have, please follow us on all the socials, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, We're jumping on to the TikTok train. Uh, We just have to start recording our faces. And uh, at Unstuck Podcast One, follow us, follow us, ask us questions. Um, Yeah. And I think that's it for today. Thank you, everyone. See you later.